welcome back to the Backpack students. This is Miss Westbrook here today with Mr. Rickson, and we're continuing our conversation on the novel True Grit. Today we're going to focus a lot on the setting of the story, which is uh, mostly in Arkansas, the Indian Territory, and finally the story ends in Memphis. Um, and we're also going through that, through learning about the setting and the appeal of that setting, we're going to continue our discussion on characterization and what we can pull out about each of the characters based on where they are, why they're there, what, what they like about where they are, and things like that. So, welcome, Mr. Rickson. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. So, the story starts in Arkansas, and then Maddie, Rooster, and Labeef go on their adventure and their journey into the Indian Territory. So, can you give us um, some description of what the Indian Territory was like? So, the Indian Territory, so if the students ever flip open a textbook and you look at an old map of post-Civil War United States and you'll see the various states. You'll also see a bunch of territories in the Western United States that aren't, that aren't states yet. One of them is typically labeled the Indian Territory and that's, as, most of that becomes what becomes the state of Oklahoma. And likewise, you'll see things like the Dakota Territory where you have North, what becomes North and South Dakota and, and that. So that's kind of what that looks like. So the territories were controlled by the federal government. So they were, they were technically a part of the United States, but they obviously weren't full states yet. So there weren't enough people living there. There wasn't really, there wasn't really a government, like in the way that we would think of. So there wasn't a governor or a state legislature. It was kind of an open place and people could come from really everywhere and especially historically as you think about america's settled sort of on the eastern seaboard and we have those big cities like boston and new york and philadelphia then eventually americans move west and you start to see what we think of as the midwestern cities you know chicago and cleveland and detroit well people are looking for more space and more land and more opportunity and places like Indian territory or what becomes Oklahoma were these places where you could kind of start over again, where there was lots of open farmland. I mean, it was just as far as the eye could see. And there was, there weren't all these, there wasn't a government or a regulation there. So on, on the one hand, that was awesome because you could go and sort of, you know, forge a new life for yourself. But obviously, if there's no laws and no government, you end up with people that are that are lawbreakers that are they want to go out there and maybe they want and we sort of think of those stereotypes of they want to rob a bank or they want to, you know, hold up the stagecoach. I mean, that was because there were very few law enforcement officials to actually stop them from what they were doing. That's really interesting how there was the appeal to it, but then also like the downside of it uh, with being a lawless sort of free-for-all out there. Um, so students think about the appeal that that type of place would have for a character like Rooster. You also kind of think about the fact that Maddie has to, like we think of, okay, so Maddie's father has been killed. And when you think of, right, if you've ever, if the students have ever watched like a CSI, right, or Law and Order, yeah. when somebody is murdered and there is a suspicion that a, obviously a crime has been committed, the police show up, 
they take evidence they but there's there's like a procedure to that with maddie she has to kind of do all that by herself right it's not like somebody's gonna come you know she's gonna you know Call, you know, she obviously has no phone. She can't call the police department. There is no police department. So she has to go out and find somebody who will actually bring the people who killed her father to justice. And so, and that's also some of that lawlessness. The fact that this young girl sort of has to take this into her own hands and find somebody who will kind of, you know, make right on what's happened in this circumstance. So, um, as we've mentioned a couple times, Rooster's role as a U.S. Marshal, how is that different than a, today's police officer, today's law enforcement? So, as we mentioned before, Rooster is operating in a place that's not a state yet. And so, there isn't, because it's not a state, there isn't really a police force as we would think of today. Right. So we maybe we live in Fairfax County or Arlington County. So we have local police that investigate things locally. We have state police. So if you've ever seen a state trooper on I-66, right, in those gray squat, those gray cars. But we also have federal law enforcement. And typically that's the form of what's called a, a marshal or a U.S. marshal. In the territories in this era that we're talking about, because there was no local police force, Marshals had incredible powers to really kind of do whatever they wanted. They would travel, right? If so, in this case, Maddie knows that this gang has killed her father. And Rooster basically has, he can travel the whole territory. He doesn't have to ask permission. He doesn't need to get a warrant, right? There's, there's none of that sort of structure that we think of. I mean, basically it's, he's on a mission to find this guy. And if he finds him, he can kill him. I mean, that is as clear cut as it is. And so because of that, he is really powerful. And just like we were saying, like some people might use that power for good and to do the right thing. But I think it raises questions about given how like if you give somebody that much power and authority are they going to abuse it are they going to do bad things to people so it raises a lot of questions about sort of the complexity of sort of who who the marshals were and there were bad marshals i mean there were guys who were really really awful because they they got you know they got hungry on power they loved having this ability that they didn't otherwise have so mr rickson just said that some of the marshals got a little power hungry or maybe a lot power hungry and you know they had this power to to hunt down the bad guys um using their force but something to think about is was that always the right thing to do so i want to draw your attention to a passage uh towards the beginning of the novel when rooster is in court and the prosecutor i believe is asking him how many people he shot in his career and he says, I never shot nobody, I didn't have to. Then the prosecutor says, that was not the question, how many? He says, shot or killed? Then he says, let us restrict it to killed so that we may have a manageable figure. How many people have you killed since you became a marshal for this court? And Rooster says, around 12 or 15, stopping men in flight and defending myself. So what does that tell you about him? We're going to be talking about this, this idea of revenge versus justice. And even within justice, you know, there's not, it's not like a black or white, clear cut sort of thing. But something to think about is 
was Rooster acting justly? Was he um, was he really killing out of self-defense? Was he really killing people in situations um, that warranted warranted that? All right. Is there anything else you wanted to tell us about the Indian Territory? I mean, I think that, and I, I think especially as students are reading the book, or maybe you've, you know, you might be familiar with the, the film, uh, the more recent, it's a couple different adaptations of it. Um, it really just kind of fits into this idea of the American West. And, right, we have this sort of romantic fascination with the West, right, this idea of, people, you know, cowboys and people with, you know, tin stars and, you know, six shooters and but I think really the the book is representative of this idea that the west for a lot of Americans was was viewed as sort of this place of opportunity that it was and that's really been our trajectory for the past, you know, 200 plus years is that we've always moved from what, you know, we went from the Atlantic coastline to you know the Mississippi Valley and then onward to the Rocky Mountains and the Pacific Ocean and that's we've we've created this romance around what right the west was a place where you could sort of get an opportunity where you could become you could build a better life where you could you had more open land and again, there was a, obviously a period where, because there were very few laws and very few restrictions, there was a lot of social and political freedom. But again, that's where you get this mix of people who wanted to take advantage of that, who knew that if there wasn't going to be anybody to stop them, they were going to abuse it and do, they were going to do bad things to people. And, but I, and I think we have, we've created, whether it's through movies or through television, we just we have definitely created this vision of what the West is. And a lot of it is true. I mean, there's a lot of truth in the dramatization of what, what it ultimately looked like. Great. Well, thank you so much. We loved having you for this podcast. Thank you. And Thanks so much. Maybe later in the year we can bring you back for some more knowledge. That'd be great. I'd love it. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you.